you're listening to the Social Hub Podcast, a place where we give small brands the skills and know-how to master all their social media, digital and content marketing. I'm your host, Stacey Cranich, mum, champagne drinker and self-confessed karaoke queen. Join me in a journey of real conversations and meaningful messages that will help you grow in your business and life so you can have the most epic version of both. If you have a big vision and are ready to shine, then grab a cuppa or a cocktail and listen in. Today's instalment of The Motherhood Chronicles, a podcast series about mums talking the realities of life and business, is a good one. It's one that tugged on my heartstrings and took me back to a time in my life where I was a single mum. And today's guest is the wonderful Nikki O'Brien. Nikki is a special lady. She is also the editor of this podcast. So any guest episodes like this one you're listening to now have been edited by her podcasting genius. And it was an absolute joy to have her on the show, sharing her passion with you all. Nikki and I have also collaborated on a couple of other things since we've known each other. She's done some podcast editing tutorials for my membership, The Social Collective, for our podcast workshop series. She is an absolute genius at the art of podcasting. And that's because Nikki believes that the magic of conversation is real, that each unique voice is the cornerstone of facilitating healing, change and transformation. She calls herself, and I would say a very aptly coined title, the podcasting priestess. And what she does is she works with beautiful beings to connect more intimately with their audience. Her work in the world was really a natural progression from an extensive background in media, where as an announcer for commercial radio stations across South Australia and Victoria, Nikki entertained, informed and connected with her listeners. She's the real deal, guys. She's also a deeply curious and spiritual being housed in a delightfully human body. Galvanized by her unique willingness to grow, gather and listen, she helps others to fully embrace their self with compassion, love and acceptance. She is also the creator of the binge-worthy and wildly successful podcast, Quintessential Being, offering fresh perspectives that cultivate awareness and invite acceptance so you can step into wholeness with sovereignty. Now, aside from doing all this wonderful work in the world, Nikki is a solo mama to a gorgeous little boy. And honestly, this episode just really did take me back to the years that I was a single mum and the years of navigating parenting with a previous partner. We both share really vulnerably in this episode, the highs and lows of motherhood from a single parent perspective, one that Nikki is doing right now and one that I have done myself in the past. It was honestly like looking in a mirror for me of myself at times. And it was one of the most beautiful episodes of raw, real and absolute trueness. Is that a word of my own story intertwined with the interview of a guest? So I'm going to hand it over to this incredible episode and let Nikki share her light with you guys. And you can find all the details to connect with her on the show notes page for today's episode at all the W's, the forward slash 81. Well, welcome Nikki to today's episode of the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Not only are you a new guest, but you're also my podcast editor. So it's kind of cool to give everyone an introduction to someone who actually helps me make this happen each and every week as well, because yeah. podcasting does not happen by chance, as you know. 
<laughs> it absolutely doesn't. Thank you so much for inviting me on. I'm super excited to dive into this chat. Cool. So let's get stuck straight in. I'd love you to share with everyone a little bit about you and your business. Oh, yeah. Okay. So me personally, I would probably describe myself as like a deeply curious and spiritual being housed in this, you know, beautiful, delightfully human body. That's how I kind of see the world. I have this like unique willingness to grow and gather and listen. Like it's probably my superpower is listening and interviewing. I love conversations. I believe wholeheartedly in the magic of conversations and I adore the aha moments that you get. I really believe that talking conversation like this with people can really bring those like deeply transformational awarenesses, you know, into your consciousness, which I really enjoy. As you said, I support successful entrepreneurs like yourself in podcasting, whether that's starting from scratch or continuing editing. And yeah, and I also have a wildly successful podcast of my own called Quintessential Being. So some people would know me as Quintessential Being. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. So how did you get started into this? Like what, you know, what, what was your passion to make podcasting your thing? So podcasting was like a natural evolution for me because I used to work in radio. I have always adored conversations, like I said. So I was a radio. Kind of have to like talking and like conversations to enjoy podcasting, right? Like it just goes hand in hand. (laughs) It does. And I, yeah, I was an announcer, a radio announcer for Austereo, which is a radio company in Australia, across South Australia and Victoria. And I didn't really love in that industry being a cardboard cutout and having to have, you know, in in commercial radio, you have to represent a certain amount of the listenership, females and males. And so I was more often than not told the opinion that I had to have because my male co-host got to choose his, you know, got to have whatever he wanted to and all that kind of stuff and had to report on celebrity gossip and all that kind of jazz. And so I really got disheartened by the industry and decided to quit and then had my son and through actually, you know, becoming a mum for the first time and I split from his father, that was a real sort of dark night of the soul, I guess you could could say. And I didn't have the resources at that time to get all the healings and Reiki and everything that I kind of wanted to get to get my mindset to where it needed to be. So I knew that I have a superpower, which is interviewing. And so I started my own podcast so that I could talk to anyone I wanted (laughs) about anything I wanted and help other people in the process. Yeah. So like, I'm really passionate about I'm not the only one going through this. If I'm feeling this, everyone else, you know, there's a lot of other people that are feeling it too. So I knew by sharing that and sharing that wisdom that it would, you know, really help the world. So that's where the passion started. And then I was in a community of women who were in business for themselves and they all started coming to me and saying, hey, can you help me start a podcast? I know you've got a background in media and blah, blah, blah. So it literally just organically grew (laughs) and was birthed into the world and you know you get your first client and then you get your next client and then and then it sort of snowballs from there so Mm. I've had a really fun journey with business it's definitely been I've always sort of wanted to work from my own laptop and be able to travel and work and take my son wherever not that I've been doing that this last year but but yeah so now I kind of have that and I'm learning so many new different skills and and I love learning. I love learning. I love growing. I love evolving. It's it's part of who I am. So, yeah. 
That's and me in a nutshell. We've said before, might have just been on Messenger when we've been talking, is like a, a cool byproduct of your job is you get to listen to all of these awesome podcasts that you edit and get paid for it. Oh, it's amazing. Like I truly feel really lucky because I have some amazing, beautiful clients like yourself who just have these, this is why I love the magic of conversation, right? Like they have, you have these beautiful in-depth, heart-opening, mind-blowing conversations that I get to listen to and edit and make totally digestible for, you know, I'm sure you've had a couple of interviews where they can be really tricky and stop sighty and really glitchy and I get to make it into this beautiful product for listeners to just listen to while they're driving or walking or doing the dishes and so that feels really good. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think I've got to definitely 100% say, you know, as a listener out there, you don't realise sometimes that sometimes a lot of the guests that I have on they don't have their own podcast. They don't, they're not people that get up and speak on stage or things like that. You know, some of them are, but a lot of them aren't as well, you know, and they're happy to be on someone else's podcast because they don't want to necessarily have one of their own. I've had people on that have never been on a podcast before and it is stop start and it is, you know, oh, sorry, I stumbled over my words and things like that, you know, and to turn that into like a fully edited podcast where you you can't tell the difference, like. <laughs> That doesn't happen by chance. Like, no, you know, there's a lot behind the scenes that goes on to make it happen for sure. And, it um, is. And that's why I outsource it because I can do it. I just don't really enjoy it. So yeah. And like, it is, you know, it can be time-consuming. Yeah, it can be time-consuming if it's not your, you know, it's kind of like a second language to me. Like I find it really easy. It's definitely one of my zones of genius. You know, I have edited for a long, long time because obviously yeah. I was in radio. So it's like second nature to me. And yeah. I really enjoy, although it can be frustrating editing down those interviews that can be really tricky. You know, often people, and I found this on my own podcast, often people who have the most important, awesome message to share, like you said, they're not necessarily seasoned speakers or they're a bit nervous because they've never yes. been on that before. And you, I like to think that my zone of genius really helps extract that gold and make it easy for the listener so that they have no idea that, yeah. you know, they were so, because I think you can get distracted if someone's arming and ahhing and stopping and starting that distracts from the, the gold nuggets that they can deliver. So that's part totally. of what I love doing. Yeah. Awesome. So what would you say has been your biggest challenge in business and your biggest highlight so far? Oh, my biggest challenge in business. There's like a few. I think I think letting go of the fear that, you know, I'm definitely, I'm a person, I'm a bit, I'm a recovering perfectionist. <laughs> I like I don't necessarily like feeling dumb. Like I can't do something the first time. And when I find it hard or I haven't done it before, like I'm a I'm a kinesthetic learner. So I I learn by doing and when I'm doing it and it feels really clunky at the start, you know, podcasting editing is easy for me, but someone who maybe doesn't podcast edit finds it totally hard, right? There are certain things that I find really challenging and really hard. And so pushing through that discomfort and learning how to do it and doing it clunky the first few times, that's probably really challenging. And the fear, the fear of like, you know, I can I can sit in front of a podcast microphone and talk until the cows come home. But on social media, you've got to like present yourself and, you know, put your face out there and all that kind of stuff. And so that's come with challenges too. You know, I think in Australia, we definitely tend to call out like the tall poppy syndrome. And so overcoming that mindset 
and feeling like I'm soulfully selling has has been a journey as well. What about you? I'd love to hear what your challenge is, not to like interview you, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, same as you, I guess. Like it, there's so, been so many challenges along the way, but oh, I think probably my biggest challenge is like it's my own undoing is I'm, you say you're a recovering perfectionist. I'm a recovering workaholic. And, you know, I spent so many years in corporate where, you know, because I worked in the finance industry and was in people leadership and, you know, the expectation was that even as a mother, you kept up with the men, right? You yeah. had to, to be able to keep those jobs. You had to work like a man and, and mother like a, a woman. And it was really hard to balance the two. So you become very much a workaholic, even though you are a mom and trying to juggle the two. And I, I did take that mentality into starting a business. I think, in some ways it was really good because I've made some quick wins and got further than some people would in the first 12 months because I worked so hard, but it became my biggest challenge because I nearly burnt out. And, you know, I felt like I'd just taken, you know, gone from a nine to five job to just replacing it with almost like a frigging 12 hour a day job at home, trying to get a business off the ground. But you know, so I've really had to work hard in the last probably 18 months and definitely the last 12 in making myself a conscious choice. Oh my goodness. Yes. And can we talk about like surrendering to rest? Cause I feel like that's part of one of my biggest challenges. Like you said, like you feel like, especially cause you're working from yourself, you're working from home. You like put on a, we put on a load of you know, washing or do the dishes and clean up the house as you're kind of going and try and do a million things at once. Yeah, like surrendering to rest has been yeah. one of the hugest challenges. So how do you, how have you taught yourself into that <laughs> or allowed it? Oh, it's funny. Like I think the, the thing I did was when I tried to try to step back and work with a bit more flow and, you know, put processes in place in my business so I didn't have to be working so hard and just, you know, surrender to the fact that it's going to be a journey. It's not going to happen overnight sort of thing. I instantly went to just investing all that extra time into the kids. So I wasn't mm. surrendering to myself. I wasn't mm. investing in my, like when I say investing in myself was a conscious choice. It has been a conscious choice. It's been honestly been an uphill battle for me to yeah. put myself first in some ways. And I still to this day, I don't think I'll ever be good at it. I'll be perfectly honest. But it's little things like when I get my hair done, I make an appointment now to go back in 10 weeks and I don't yeah. I don't cancel it anymore. I used to always cancel those <laughs> appointments because I'd have to do something else for the kids or I'd have something to do with work or business or whatever. And I think the more that I've done it, I've realised how much a better person I am. So yes. I recognise the the benefits to not just me, but also to my family when I do put my hand up and say, I need this time or I'm going to do it this way or I'm going to go for a walk every morning or whatever it is I'm choosing to do to invest in myself. Yeah. Absolutely. Like I think that's been my process, gathering the evidence, gathering the evidence that because I'm really good at resting when I'm like totally like I can't do it anymore and I've tried to correct that so that when I can feel it, because you can always feel it coming on and I can feel it like, okay, I need to power down. I need to rest. I need to just do nothing and let go of the to-do list, even though it's like 5 million items long. And now I'm kind of, I've t- taken myself through the process of like, 
resting actually makes me more potent. Resting actually makes me more powerful yeah. and more productive. And and just yeah, slowly feeding myself that evidence that yes, even though it feels counterintuitive, Nikki, this is how it goes down. <laughs> yeah. Or even just I think for me sometimes it's little things like you know, you hear all these things like I just call them, you know, your, your positive habits or your good routines. And it could be different things for different people. And for me, sometimes it's a different thing on every day of the week. But mm-hmm. things like, you know, journaling, prioritizing, moving your body, you know, all those things. Like even just recently, I've got in the school holidays, I don't work a lot and I get usually all my good habits go to the wayside because I'm just like having coffee in bed and having wine at night and going out with the kids and not really doing much at all. And the last couple of weeks since they've gone back to school, I've had to recommit to all of these things. And I was starting to feel really murky, you know, but I know that I have to prioritize doing it. And if I don't, then I just don't show up the best in my business or for myself or for my family. Yeah, definitely. I've noticed a change in parenting. Like if I give myself that time and like you said, those little rituals or whatever it is that that helps me be more of me or just find this like place of peace and ease and calm inside myself. I can like I can hold space for my for my son to, you know, have ethic meltdowns. Whereas when I'm on edge or stressed out or, you know, have the to-do list running in the back of my head, it's a completely different mum that he gets. So, mm. yeah. I think the thing is we're, us women are very good at holding space for other people, but we're not good at holding it for ourselves. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So what's been your biggest highlight then? Some of the interviews, like I, I don't know whether that's not in business, like, you know, my... Honestly, Stacey, like if I was like telling you my big dreams, like I would love to be Oprah. Yeah. <laughs> and, I know, and I know people will probably laugh about that, but I've always. No, I've she got always, to have the best conversations with all sorts of people. Like that's an awesome job. And she got to get in cars. Like she doesn't want to be able to do that. <laughs> I don't know about the cars, but I just love that, you know, Michael Parkinson, Andrew Denton, like anyone like that who they just have this ability to like interview and and share insights of people that other people don't like that audiences don't normally get to see like I fucking love that and so my biggest highlights are on my podcast speaking to reaching out to big names last year at the end of last year I had been following Gala Darling I don't know whether you know who she is but she's got a massive following on YouTube and Instagram and she's like a manifestation queen Anyway, I had been following her for like years and years and she was on my like dream list and I finally reached out to her at the end of last year and she said yes and that for me was like an epic highlight because I got to have this conversation with her face to face and ask her anything and you know also like tap into her energy and feel yeah. how she does things and so those are the highlights for me and I love sharing that with my audience like yeah <laughs> I can totally yeah. appreciate that because it's funny like some days you know some days you wake up and you might be in might be in bear mode and you didn't think you were going to be and then you've got like three podcasts to record and you're like, oh, my God, how am I going to show up for this? But every time I get on to record an interview, I just get so much from the energy from that other person and I walk away feeling so uplifted. And that might sound like super naff and people might roll their eyes at hearing that, but it is true. Like I love talking to other people. I love hearing other people's stories and it just makes me feel so good. So when I've yeah. had a day where I've just done podcast interviews, I, I'm the best person to come home to. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it fills my cup. I often yeah. say if I could get paid to podcast all day, oh. I would be the happiest person in the world. 
Babe, you're speaking my language. <laughs> like that's why, you know, I, yeah, I would love to build a following where I'm just like get paid to interview all day, every day because yeah. I'm so the Oprah. same. I adore it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Cool. I adore it. Like let me have conversations. I have, you know, love going out for coffee, having conversations with my friends about, you know, and just showing people different them different perspectives and all that kind of stuff. Like I, I think the magic comes in conversation. The healing comes in conversation. The transformation comes in conversation because you don't necessarily always, when you're in your own head, like we are not nice to ourselves or we no. have this have this really close perspective or view or, you know, everyone has their own absolute truth, right? So when you're in conversation with someone else and they can show you a different perspective or you can get that aha moment, it's, it's, it's groundbreaking. It's, you know, that's where that's where magic happens yeah and I think it's a it's a true indication of someone following the thing that they love to do Mm -hmm. yeah which a lot of people don't yes you know you go you get sometimes you feel stuck or maybe some people want to don't like using the word the p word pivot because everyone got sick of it last (laughs) year but you know sometimes people sit there and go oh I really want to do this but I'm doing this now I just got to stay doing this and and it's like you know no, like we get to live a life where we get to do the things we love, right? Oh, right. Let's riff on yeah. like courage a little bit because it does take courage. And people, I don't know whether you feel the same, but I think I feel like outsiders kind of look at me and go, oh, but it's easy for her. Like it's not fucking easy. <laughs> I have the <laughs> days where I don't want to get out of bed and I'm crying because I don't want to show up and I feel like I've shared too much or, you know, I get really vulnerable on that podcast. I cry on there like often yeah. and like, you know, share my my brokenness for like one of a better word but you know what if it helps one person feel less broken and feel more like like less alone I should say then 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 that's why I do it you know mm. it's, it takes massive courage and bravery and constantly loving on yourself and forgiving yourself and being compassionate with yourself which doesn't come easy like no. I've had to work to get here <laughs> that's it's so true and you know a lot of people will say and I people say it to me a lot they go oh, but I'm just not confident like you and I just can't, you know, just talk like you and all that stuff. And, yeah, talking comes naturally. I'm not going to lie about that. But, like, I am still plagued some days with massive self-doubt. I don't particularly love being on camera and will criticise the way I look on camera every single time I do a live stream. Oh, you look really fat that day. Your eyes are really puffy. You know, your hair looks stupid. You should have gone and got a haircut the week earlier, not the, not that week. Like I'm constantly criticising myself. Mm-hmm. Or one day I'll be like, oh, your voice sounds terrible. Like why have you got a podcast? Like you know, all these things. But yeah. And then sometimes when I'm, you know, I, I did an episode, I think it was last week, which was a little bit ranty. And, you know, so many times I'm like, I recorded it and then it was like, oh, you probably shouldn't post it. Oh, you probably shouldn't actually upload it. Like, should you share it? Oh, will people like it? Will they not like, oh, like, you know, that whole thing. And I just went, oh, fuck it. I'm just, just do it. Like, this is how you feel. You can't, you decided to do this shit to share how you really feel and to attract those people who agree with you. Yeah. Or align with you. Agree is probably the wrong word. And, you know, help those people who feel the same way, but don't feel they've got a voice. Yeah. And, and I was like, just fuck it. And so I just did it. But, you know, there's a lot of courage that comes with anyone that's got an online platform sharing how they really feel, sharing their voice, even if people don't agree with you, knowing yeah. that people won't, knowing full well that people won't agree with you and being prepared to cop it mm-hmm. for the greater good of helping the people that don't have a voice. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, it, yeah, 
like you said, it just takes, it takes continuous courage and you have to continuously make that decision. And some days it's easier than others, but there's always those days where it's like, oh, we're here again. (laughs) I I I procrastinate on releasing the episodes, which I know are like, they like share the depths of my psyche really, you know, and I will put off releasing them for months. (laughs) Like I'm really good at it. Yeah, they sit recorded until you have a brave moment. Maybe you go into wild yeah. mode and then you yeah. go, yeah, I'm going to upload that one. That was a good one. Yeah, exactly <laughs> no, right. I get that. So <laughs> let's switch up to mum life now. So you've told us a little bit about your family, but mm-hmm. elaborate a little bit more for us. Yeah, so I'm a single mama. Well, we like co-parent. He goes to his dad's every second weekend. And so oh, really becoming a mum has changed me fundamentally you know I remember being pregnant three three he's five five sorry yep oh three Three. (laughs) let's not go back there let's not go back to the three major yeah I know the three major that was like that was probably that was probably the hardest year of my life like trying to do that as a single mom so yeah what was the question what's my family he's amazing he is amazing and he fundamentally changed who I am you know there's something that unlocks in you when you become a mom and it's different to to all the ways that you think it's going to happen it's so different I just knew that I had to show up in a way that I'd never shown up before and I knew I had to be brave. I wanted to be brave to show him and give him and myself what I always knew was my potential and so it's like he gave me the courage to like finally just throw caution to the wind and actually be like, no, like I have another another being that that gives me motivation to kind of step out there and do it more and more. So. Yeah, I love being a mum. It's definitely hard some days. I think that we are often superwomen doing everything and I think that's not understood by society at all. <laughs> I, I think so I think the superwoman's I think the superwoman's an expectation of society, modern day society because if you look back at, you know, you know, sort of traditional cultures, they the women came together as a community and supported a woman to convalesce and to have a child and then to raise that child. And she didn't have to do anything in the, in that community or tribe or whatever it was. Whereas today it's the superwoman is the woman that in, in the Western world, I would say is the one that is praised, the one that has a child, has her body back within four weeks, goes back to work, doesn't complain, puts food on the table, does everything it's it, it and it's just plays unreal. with her it's, child plays it's unrealistic with her child and feeds their <laughs> it is it's yeah. absolutely unrealistic and I love that point that you brought up about community that's probably been the biggest saving grace for me is yeah. building and finding and attracting and loving my amazing support crew and the you know that hold me in the times where I'm bawling my eyes out and you know because those days happen and if it wasn't for my support crew I my mental health would definitely not be where it is but I you know they hold me and they help me and they understand me and they see me and they you know they reflect back to me the power that I am and I'm eternally eternally grateful for that I have a beautiful really gorgeous relationships some really close female relationships which I adore so that has made a huge difference in 
me being able to show up and do the things that I do. Yeah. And it's funny, the more mums and women that I speak to is the ones that feel that they they are heard and that that do have not definitely not that they've had it easy. That's not not it at all. But I feel that in some ways it's the road has been a little bit maybe easier to navigate are the ones that do have a community around them because there are women that are very isolated yeah that you know maybe they're living remotely and they're not close to family and friends and obviously the internet makes it easier but it's still hard when you're not able to physically be with with your community of people and to me that's been one of my saving graces too but there are women out there that feel very isolated and it just shows how important it is for us women to have have a community of other women to help support us because we are the only ones that really know what it's like. (laughs) Absolutely. And I think that's the whole point. You know, I I don't want to say I worked really hard, but I intentionally, I intentionally went and sought community because I knew it was the only way through. Yeah, it's a conscious choice to make time for it and to find it and seek it out, yeah. And to be vulnerable, to be vulnerable, yes. to trust, to trust your your stuff with other people that you're just getting to know. Like I was really lucky in that I had a really good mother's group and had like early on had some some beautiful women in there who I could open up to about stuff. And so that really helped me. And then I sort of built out, you know, different, different aspects. So they're all in different communities and not just all in one hub. But then, you know, what's that saying? It's like a problem, a problem shared is a problem halved. Like that's how it feels for me and being seen and heard and just having someone to be like, because I don't have a partner to be like, to decompress to at the end of the day or you know what I mean so having that that I can just dialogue it out even if it's just on the phone you know I often have a beautiful friend that I literally spend like an hour on the phone to most nights just just talking and processing because it's a lot because we hold a lot and and you know in order for me to be able to do that I have these key support people you know and it was really hard early on I, I I feel I definitely had to intentionally build it, intentionally trust, intentionally be vulnerable and, you know, and if you maybe are one of those natural ones that sort of feels better isolated, then then find it with someone who's objective. Find it with a professional because that, you know, I just think it's so powerful. Yeah. You know, being held, being seen, being heard is, is everything. <laughs> and even for... You know, I, I'm I'm married, happily married, absolutely adore my husband. He's he's so supportive and you know, we we work really well together. But again, it's a conscious choice for us to choose to communicate the way that we do and to to share the load the way that we do as well. He's also a willing participant in doing that with me, which I didn't have with my first marriage. But Matt, this is where I say it is so important that women have community because we men and women are different. Like when, when I, if he comes home and he's like, how's your day been? And I'm, you know, getting something off my chest, he wants to fix it. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't need you to fix it. I just need you to listen. Yeah. I just and want just, you to hear me. Just hear me. Just understand yeah. where I'm coming from and share my frustration without trying to give me a five-step process to fix the thing. <laughs> yeah. Because I don't need you to fix it. I actually know what to do. I just yeah. want to talk. Yeah. And it's the same with the kids too. It's just like, oh, this happened today at school 
with one of the kids and, you know, and he'll be like, oh, okay. And I'm like, no, 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 just, I just want to talk about it. Like I want to talk, throw around ideas, you know, I don't want to come up with an immediate solution to this. I want to just, you know, and sometimes there's no solution. Like I've got an yeah. almost teenager. Sometimes she's had a bad day or something's happened. There's actually no, nothing I can do or mm-hmm. as a parent, all you, she has the tools to to change it. And all we can do is talk to her. We physically can't do anything. You know, if it's a yeah. fight with a friend or something like that, it's like, okay, well, we've got to give her the tools to be able to navigate things herself. And sometimes I just want to share that, you know, it upsets me that she's had a bad day. Yeah. But I'm not going to ring the parent. I'm not going to do these yeah. things. Like I need to empower her to be able to navigate her life, not band-aid everything that happens for her. So, yeah, and so yeah, that was a very long-winded story of how, you know, even, even if you do have a supportive partner and, or men in your life, we still need, women still need each other. <laughs> Yeah, we do. Absolutely. You're on whole, such a you're different so right. way. We communicate on such a different way. We share things with each other in a different way. We do. And we understand each other in a different way mm. as well. Like you said, and you know, it they feed a different need. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Mm. So what do you think in terms of your mum J O B, what would you say has been your biggest challenge and your biggest love? my biggest challenge with mumming is probably learning to let go of control learning to let go of controlling that's a good one yeah like I really had to make and I was forced to do it early on because of our situation so I had to hand over my baby and I had no control over what he was going to be fed and who he was going to be with, like, no, you know, not who he was going to be with, but, you know, how he was going to be parented and all that kind of stuff. Although we have similar parenting philosophies, that felt really scary. And I knew early on that I could either stress myself out and, you know, pull myself apart trying to make up for that or, you know, whatever it may have been or I could accept it and I could let go and I could let it I could let it work for me I could let it work for me in the way of he is his own being my son is his own being and I can't control everything and it's not actually my job you know we we get told that we're these parents and they're ours oh that's my child like he's not mine he's his own person and I'm just here to guide him and so that's probably the biggest thing that I've learned in, in parenting is letting go of control and continuously, like the courage, continuously surrendering to that at a different age of letting go of control and guiding him and letting him make his own decisions that, you know, that's, that's been really tough for me. What do I love about mumming? I love watching him grow and surprise me. I love watching him surprise me with the way that he he interacts with his friends or, you know, just doing little beautiful things like picking me a flower and bringing it inside and here you go, mummy, and things like that, which are, you know, that you kind of get these little insights like, oh, I am doing a good job, <laughs> you yeah. know, like I am, I am guiding this beautiful human who's growing and flourishing and it's okay because I think you can 
as a mum, you can beat yourself up and you're not feeding them enough organic food and you've not got down on the floor and played with them enough and you've not put them into extracurricular activities and you've not, you know, educated them or done this or there's so many, we get, we have so much noise. So those, those really small moments where I can see his beautiful heart and the, the gorgeous human that he's evolving into, those are the moments that I love the most. And they're kind of like the the anchors that I can kind of <laughs> guide guide me through yeah, the, yeah. the journey. Yeah. yeah. And it's true. We are taught to find the shortcomings in how we parent. If it's not the media or, or society or some sort of societal structure telling us that we're doing something wrong, it's another parent. Mm-hmm. And and mums, I love mums, don't get me wrong, but we can be some of the most judgmental people in the whole world. Um, absolutely particularly if you come across people who think they're doing everything perfectly you know we disagree with like the way that you're choosing to parent it's like this is the way I'm choosing to do it and you know and you might not be able to see what my end goal is and what my outcome is but I can fucking tell you that it's intentional (laughs) I'm not doing it by accident (laughs) yeah no we definitely need to we need to look for the signs of the brilliant things we're doing with our kids mm. and stop looking for the signs of the things we're doing so wrong, I yes. think, in that journey too. And letting go, like I, I, my girls aren't the children of my current husband. I had them with the previous husband. And um, Marley was one, Ella was three when we split up. So I was a single mum for a little while, but they've, I've, you know, Marley's known Adam since she was two. So she's pretty much grown up with him. But, mm-hmm. you know, that whole concept of letting go is hard. And I don't think like in, unless you've had an opportunity where you physically had to hand your children over to someone else, it could be daycare. Like that happens when mums have to send kids to secular daycare. I had to do that. And they, I also had to hand them over to their, their other father. And we haven't always had the best co-parenting relationship and in fact sometimes it was extremely toxic I'll be perfectly yeah. honest yeah um, I 100% resonate with you yeah but it you know when you've got to hand your child over and go okay 